Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Daniel Mangana. Today is Thursday, July the 16th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time. Wherever you are in the world, thanks for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And uh, we're happy to be uh, having a conversation with Daniel, who's been in the background, because he's been bringing us all this great stuff, so he couldn't really say anything. Actually, he didn't want to say anything. He was just enjoying watching what we were doing. But, I, was, uh, I was having a, a jolly old time being a, on, on the button spectator for a little while. It's been good fun. And Louis was having a, a blast. I don't know if you, if you realize I that. Was, but... Louis was like, I'm using my opportunity. I'm asking my questions. Absolutely. We're not wasting any time now. We're going for it. <laughs> I was like, wow, Louis, you're really not pulling any punches. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't take the roundabout route. He goes right after. No, it's like, so we're going to talk about this. Yeah, I know that already. I want to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to talk about this. <laughs> It's like, wow, okay. Sorry, stream. <laughs> Don't hold it against me. The guy just got a few questions. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much what Louis is. But I love it. And it was a great yeah. conversation. It was yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Some great depth to it. Um, the only sad part is our friend Alex is still not feeling well. And so yeah. we're sending out all kinds of love and energy to her. Because uh, she's she's going through a bit of a rough patch right now. It is not COVID. For anyone who might be wondering about that, it's mm-hmm. not COVID. But uh, she's dealing with some tough stuff. So lots of love going out to you, Alex, if you're tuning in. Um, I wanted to actually bring up something that kind of well, – it's something I wanted to bring up with the stream. But Louis was having such a good time, I figured I've got you know, plenty of weeks to do it. So yeah, we've got other opportunities. Louis right. Like, this is my chance. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, I, I thought I'd start with you because I know you – well, you're also a straight shirt too, so you're going to give me some pretty good stuff on it. I've come up with a term to describe a, uh, it's not a, con- well, I guess it's a condition. It's it's more like a, a state that people can get into. I know I've gotten into it many times in the past. I know it's a very common thing. And it's basically a state that you get into when you've spent, you know, it's kind of like when, you, when you've been drinking too much, right? You, you get that little bit of a hangover. Well, it's kind of that same kind of thing where you've been focusing too much on what you don't like. And so you get, you become emotionally drained. I call it emotional fatigue. Mm-hmm. And that emotional fatigue can kind of build up because if you have, if you're trying to manifest stuff or you're trying to make stuff happen and it's not happening because you're not in a good vibrational space, then you start to get that reinforcement that says, well, you know, this isn't really working, even if you know that it does. But in your heart, you're feeling like, oh, God, this just isn't really working. And, and you can actually start to feel self-defeated and it, it can, it can become very, very reinforcing. So I'm kind of describing that whole, uh, emotional, uh, globby state <laughs> as emotional fatigue because it kind of describes how you just feel so defeated in that place. So I just wanted to talk about emotional fatigue a little bit today and, uh, come oh. up with some ideas about, you know, how, how to deal with it. Um, I was experiencing it actually earlier this week. It surprised me. Um, I didn't really kind of expect it. Uh, what's happened that kind of kicked it off. My wife is taking more and more of a step back from the gardening business. I'm taking more of a step forward. I'm, I'm taking over a lot of the stuff that she was doing. Um, and the, the last, the latest round was where I started taking over the scheduling. She'd been doing the scheduling all this time. And I don't know why it was, but all of a sudden I just started feeling like, huh, how do I describe it? It was almost like I'd just taken on a job that I hated. Maybe you did. Not really. 
<laughs> not really. I, I, I actually, yeah, scheduling is not a difficult thing for me. It's actually easier for me than it is for her. I, I, because, well, maybe I'm wrong about this now that I think about it, but I always thought that, and I still think that I don't really become emotionally attached to it in any way. I just like, okay, this is what needs to be done. I'm done. No big deal. Maybe you're not consciously emotionally attached to it. Well, well, that's part of the topic, I think, because mm -hmm. so much of the time we don't know where that emotional fatigue comes from. And in my case, I recognized what it was mm -hmm. and I just started going through every technique I knew to release it, including, you know, expressing the anger and then finding things to focus on that I liked instead and so forth. And I found myself getting drawn back, drawn back. I'm saying, what on the earth am I focusing on? What, what's, what's doing this? Where's this coming from? Is this like some sort of latent, um, uh, previously focused upon thought that just is keeping hanging on in my, my subconscious that I'm not even aware of? No, mm -hmm. I, I was just like, perplexed by it. I actually had to just go through a 24-hour cycle, wake up the next day before I could finally get past it, which was well, really strange. Most of what we are is tied up in the unconscious. So <laughs> the possibility that, that, that there's stuff going on that you're not aware of is actually a very high probability because it's, you know, most of our time is spent operating unconsciously and every single experience that we've ever had that's gone in through our senses is imprinted on some level of our unconscious mind mm. so it could even be that there's an unconscious association that you've got that's happened with a connection with an unconscious memory that you have that's created this discombobulation that you're experiencing in that now right as some emotional fatigue and i spoke with someone recently and they were talking about a behavioral pattern that they stepped into when they moved back to a certain area. I'm pretty confident it's because the neural pathways that they associate with that area created a different combination of chemicals in their brain, sure. in the body, that resulted in a, a new type of behavior. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, once we start to understand just how much of our time is spent on, in our unconscious mind and how much of our bodily responses are coming from that place, and that emotions are simply the body's chemical response to a feeling, to vibration, mm -hmm. then we can start to say, oh, okay, well, something's going on from thought, on the journey of thought to matter, we're getting caught in this space whereby this cocktail of chemicals and hormones being produced in my body that I'm experiencing as emotional fatigue. Of course, now the next question becomes, all right, I've identified it. Now what do I do? <laughs> I think every type of thing is going to require a different medicine. I mean, yeah, that's why exactly. I give away my, my clearing toolkit, which any of the listeners can grab at dreamwithdan.com forward slash free hyphen resources. On my free resources page on my website, there's the clearing encyclopedia, which is a composition of different modalities I've been experimenting with over the last 20 odd years. And I'm always testing and looking to update that. And you know, we, we use different combinations. I talk about stacking, for example, mm -hmm. which is understanding what's the micro shift that I can make right in front of me. So when the depression wants to keep, keep in with me, for example, the likelihood that I'm going to be able to pivot directly into meditation, which is a really effective way to get through it, sure. is really low. Or even if I can get into a meditation, I'm going to sit in a meditation, is very, very low. I need to create enough space for me to be able to hold that meditative space. Right. So what can I do next? For me, normally it's just changing my physiology or at least changing my breathing. So when I start to feel that pain, which can sometimes happen at the most random times, 
from an input or a trigger that I'm, I'm not even recognized, but I can recognize the feeling of the onset, first thing I do is straighten my back, change my breathing so it's deepened through the nose, out through the mouth, and then start to do in for a count of five, hold for a count of five, out for a count of five, hold out, empty for a count of five, and do that cycle, which gets me out of the parasympathetic nervous system and allows me to start creating space mentally to choose new emotional states. From there, Let's talk about I'll... that for a moment too, the, the parasympathetic uh, nervous system, because that's... I am not scientific enough. You should have well, asked that well, Kim. Well, we, 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 Kim was we, we, we around. We can talk about it metaphorically. We don't have to go into the science of it. <laughs> When no, he's covering up, okay. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a chance to ask him, but carry on. Well, well, we can still talk about it metaphorically because it does pl play a metaphorical role in what we're talking about here, and, and we can go that far with it. Mm -hmm, that definitely. system, I, I, that's probably like that's the, the best way of identifying the source of the emotional fatigue. That's kind of where it all hangs out, really. It's where it, um, it it's where. <laughs> Uh, well, there are some people who say that the body is where the subconscious mind resides. So that would be like the, the, the pathway, so to speak, mm -hmm. of, of the emotional fatigue because it's in the body. I don't think that the mind is in the body. So I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that one. But I mean, the subconscious mind, mind not, not, not the mind, the subconscious mind. I don't think mind's a physical thing. I think mind is another level of consciousness that exists outside three three dimensions because we don't taste, touch, smell, feel it. We don't engage with it with our physical senses. Okay. So um, for me, it's another layer of reality, but that's another conversation in and of itself. But the body is the gateway to communicating with other levels of consciousness, regardless of which one it is. So the gateway to the mind is through the body, yes. Um, we experience messages back from the unconscious in through the body. One of the cool things about human design is it gives you the way that you are most optimally set up to have that communication, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so the messages are always there. The path to moving beyond the stuck state is always there. And the breath is a really powerful way to, to shift. I mean, when we look at the 10 bodies in Kundalini Yoga, the pranic body, the breath body is above the physical body. It's another gateway from the divine back into the physical. So I think that's for me personally why the breath breath work works. Because it it attunes oh, okay. it attunes that higher level of experience into what we desire and then allows us to track the journey back down into our physical experience. That's interesting because I never really thought about of course I'm I'm probably not into meditation as much as you are, but to, to the degree that I've engaged in, in breathing techniques and so forth, I've just found them as a way to clear my mind. It's just a way to get why rid of stuff I don't want. What's that? Why do they clear your mind? I don't know. <laughs> I just know it works. <laughs> I, I don't argue with it when it works. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, uh, certain breath work techniques take you deeper into the now because they bring you into a space of presence. So when I do my visualizations and I call people into a certain breathing pattern, it brings you into centered space that you can access through the now, mm. the new opportunities that we want to connect with. Um, I've been doing more, um, I can't remember the, the word of it, but more DMT, producing breath work. My friend Lee has been getting me more into that kind of groovy stuff. And that's been really cool. It's been a, a great tool to tap into different sectors of reality because your brain tunes into different frequencies because it's producing more DMT, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so breath has got different purposes. Sometimes it is just to slow down. 
monkey brain's going, producing chemicals as a result that's giving you an emotional response. Right. Change the chemical, change the frequency of the mind through the breath, and all of a sudden we're out of high beta into beta, maybe into alpha, and able to access more resources of yourself mm. through the breath, which is pretty dope. It is. It, it's also something that I find is it's not only relaxing, it, it is a way of kind of breaking up a cycle. Yeah. Disruption. It's a great disruption. disruption yeah. 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 Um, when, and I, I also was really gaining insight on the day when this whole thing was kind of, my, my day was kind of falling apart um, in that I noticed very quickly each time that I would try something, what was coming out of the thing I was trying. I can recall times in the past where I tried something. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what kind of result I was getting. I, I, I didn't have any kind of feel for it. Now it's like, I, okay, try that. Nope. Oh, well, that was wrong. That didn't work. Ah, that felt better. It was really, really quick. And I liked that a lot. Uh, but I didn't like what I was trying. <laughs> I kept trying things that were working against me. And what they all added up to was I kept trying to do things to release the anger by expressing the anger over and over again. And all I was doing was building up the anger. Reinforcing it because you're staying yeah. in the same frequency of that. Exactly. Which shows that there's a risk involved there. I mean, it can be very valuable to express anger and to get it out, but you can't stay there. And if you find that you're staying there, now all of a sudden you're creating the cycle you don't want. I was experiencing that really very directly. I think it's the dance between suppressing something and giving it, giving it room to breathe so it can pass versus bathing in something and just sort of holding on to it you know mm -hmm. like people mm -hmm. that tell oh telling their story yeah oh i've got to tell you about the story that i've overcome still kind of talking about it mate <laughs> this is true <laughs> <laughs> you know someone that's really changed hasn't really got time to talk about their change anymore yes so, exactly yeah. so Generally speaking, you know, some everyone's different, right? But, I mean, we're talking in general terms here. But as a general idea, we we connect with something long enough to see that we don't want it anymore, right? And we give it life enough so that it can pass. So we're not holding on to it by resisting it, or holding on to it by pulling in, we're letting it be. And this is where being in the now is so powerful because when I'm in the now, I don't have. I don't have my hands tied into something. I'm too present to do that. I can just be the observing witness of it. Right. Oh, isn't it interesting how angry I am right now? Yeah. <laughs> do I choose this? No. Okay. I'm going to let it pass then. And sometimes that discussion within ourselves demands that we go into some dialogue with it in order to dissect what our connection is to it so we can let it go. Not to play with it longer, not to dance with it longer, not to make love to it, just to see it for what it is so that we can go mm -hmm. ahead and let it go. And, um, and sometimes it does work out that way. When mm -hmm. I, this is also part of what I was experiencing though. I was trying stuff like that and mm -hmm. finding that despite my best efforts, I was hanging on anyway. Mm -hmm. I was holding on to this stuff and literally I had to do major distraction in order to get my mind off of it. I, I just, I just had to do it. For me, I, I call that's what I call addiction is, repeating patterns unconsciously that we don't even really desire mm -hmm. consciously. It's just people playing it out. Addictions to anger, pain, suffering, victimhood. And I think it's, it's important for us to be gentle with ourselves so we come up against these narratives. 
because generally speaking, we've practiced and rehearsed being these things for a very, very long time. Mm. We spent, and even if you're only 15 years old, like I would say, even if you're only 15 years old, you spent 15 years practicing, rehearsing, re-imprinting and reinforcing this idea of who you are. So maybe it might take more than an hour for you to break an attachment to that. Sure. Maybe it might take more than a week of doing a morning rampage. It might take a little bit more. But it's important also to, to layer into that, that the time that it will take is directly correlated to your commitment to the illusion of it needing to take time. Because change mm-hmm. doesn't have to take time. It's getting ready to take the change, make the change that takes time. Yeah, that time element is also uh, a source that can be very confusing when you're in the middle of something like that because we're so ruled by it in our physical experience. Mm-hmm. And to have the presence of mind to stop and say, okay, I know I feel like there's a time thing going on here, but there really is. That's a, that's not an easy thing to do when you're in that, that mental space. It's a very, 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 very strong collective agreement. We are born at a certain time. From We're told to sleep for a certain time as a baby. Mum is imprinting the narrative of time around how much time we're doing this. So then we go to school. We have to be there at a certain time. When we sleep, we eat, we play for a certain time. Then we go to school. We have to be at school for a certain time. And then we break at this time. We have lessons for this amount of time. Then we have to be at work for this amount of time. After we've been to school for this amount of time or studied for this amount of time. Right, and then right. we get home by a certain time. And this happens. <laughs> so the story of time yeah. is really deeply imprinted. Very and it does serve a function. It creates a very very clear containers for things to be done in and a a very structured framework for us to experience three-dimensional reality. But there's a difference between having a framework that's useful that we make use of to being a slave to a concept that just isn't real. Right. And that's, that's the real difference right there. That's what you, what's so important to recognize in the situation. And it takes a little time sometimes to learn that. It takes time to take some repetition and, Trial, well, trial and error is not really the best phrase, but trial and experimentation is, you know, it takes that. You have to kind of play with it and feel like, okay, what's happening here? How am I responding on this day? What's happening under that situation? What's yeah. happening under this situation? And then over time, <laughs> time thing, we start to learn what our own patterns are and how we mm-hmm. respond best. And that's kind of what I was doing. Just, let's see, which day was it? I think it was um, Tuesday. Um, that's right. It was, it, it was leading up to the meeting with the uh, stream of David and the stream of David, boy, did that talk about distraction? That just really wiped it right out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting experience and it was, uh, it was a frustrating experience, but it was also useful because I got it a better sense of some of the stuff that's still left over. And by left over, I mean, you know, I've been doing all this work on myself for all these years. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, something left over pops up. And say, oh, where did that come from? I thought I'd gotten that one out of here. I think, you know, it's again a call for all of the listeners and both of us a reminder to be gentle with ourselves because the journey doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Had the journey ended, we'd transcended into the ethers and become essence of pure light and back to communion with the divine. You know, we're still in three dimensional form because there are still pieces now. Can there be a transcending in this lifetime for some? Yeah, sure. But even Jesus lost his shit and turned over the tables in the in the temple. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think, you know, be gentle with yourself. I mean, it's just when we do have those opportunities to look back at a choice or a behavior or a way of thinking or whatever, 
to take that opportunity to look back and say, okay, what can I take from this that enables me to grow? And what thought markers can I play so that when the triggers come up again, I don't make a disempowering choice of the same nature. And that's all we can do. The rest of it sprinkles. Yeah. I love Dr. Joe's phrase, wisdom is the memory without the emotional charge. I can look back at something, take the wisdom of it through the memory of the experience without being emotionally engaged with it. I can just witness it and say, okay, I like that, I like that. I don't really want to achieve that next time. Mm-hmm. But not to disregard or have a disempowering emotional experience about it from the past either. It's that happened. I don't necessarily desire to choose that next time. So I won't. And one example of what you're talking about, I can point to right now. I can look back on that experience on Tuesday and say to myself, well, there was one really good aspect to the time because through the benefit of time, despite the fact that I was focusing on a lot of stuff that I really didn't like, most of it didn't manifest into anything. Why? Because there was a time gap. There was a delay and it gave me time to shift the whole vibration around before it could actually turn into something I didn't like. I, I actually did spend more time than I would have preferred. Uh, I focused on some bad stuff. And so I had some little small bad stuff that kind of came out. Mm-hmm. But it could have been a lot worse. If there was no time delay, it could have been, oh, my God, it could have been that kind of an environment. And it wasn't. So the time situation works to our advantage as well as making frustrations for us. It, it, it works both ways. Mm-hmm. Right then. Right then. I think, you know, patience with ourselves, and I've said this a couple of times today, patience with ourselves, and realizing that there's no point taking this thing too seriously because none of us are getting out alive. Yeah, right. None of us are getting out alive. But at the end of the day, we're all going to pop our clogs, and at no point, regardless of what the situation is, at no point did it change that we knew the time or the hour of our passing. Mm-hmm. We don't. You can get as many fortune tellers, See as many practitioners of the, the arts or whatever, you know, do as much ayahuasca as you want. You're not going to understand your past. And you're not going to be able to, at this level of consciousness, understand all of the pieces of your life here before it passes. So what's the point? In giving energy that could be used to enjoying this experience and learning from it and expanding through it, getting tied up in things that you're just not going to be able to identify or to know at this level. Although, as Abraham and I would guess, the stream uh, point out, Abraham definitely points out, we all decide when we're going to pass. But not necessarily mean we're consciousness. picking the time, but we make the decision. Yeah, but I'm just saying that not at this level of consciousness. Though. Otherwise, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've noted people in my own family who died who I was pretty sure they were done. And they thought they were done. Yeah, but that's a different kettle of fish, you know, when they were 10 years old, they didn't know when that was going to happen. If we're talking about something impending, mm-hmm. I mean, if I've been held captive by pirates and there's a gun to my head, probably, likely, I'm going to be seeing the end pretty soon. <laughs> if I'm in a plane and it's falling out of the sky, I can probably say my final prayers, right? That's, mm-hmm. if I'm, if my body's failing and I'm not really interested in fighting, that inevitability anymore, then I probably know that's what's going to happen. But we're, we're, I'm more talking in terms of me going through life, worrying about everything and blah, blah, blah. When is it? I don't know. 
Someone that goes to take their own life, of course they know. They've made the choice, but they're going to take their own life, for example. Mm -hmm. Or someone's going to go into a dangerous situation. They know there's a possibility of their life being taken. But people go into risky situations, planes fall out of the sky and people survive. People yeah. get cancer and they recover. So again, at this level of consciousness, we don't have that level of deep certainty and knowing about the time. Although yeah, that's why we do get glimpses, though. We do get glimpses. And you mentioned planes flying out of the sky. There's a wonderful video. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. It's a mm -hmm. video of a guy who was a stunt pilot in a flying circus type thing or an air show or something like that. And one of his wings falls off. It falls off the plane. So he's flying with one wing. And he did this most amazing landing. He it was a walk away landing with one wing. And you watch this thing, he's doing this spiral thing. He's using the wing up and above the fuselage as his, as like a rudder. And, and, and he, he's working his way down like that until he's finally able to flip it over to the side that he would normally land on. And it hits the ground and rolls. How the hell did he do that? Skill. <laughs> yeah, he no kidding. He didn't, he didn't wake up in the morning with that skill either. That's right. There's probably years of training that gave him the resources to be able to navigate out of that situation. It's so impressive. You watch it, you say, whoa, did that just, did, was this like trick photography? <laughs> just mind-blowing. But it does kind of illustrate the point that any situation that we're in, even the ones that seem dire, they don't have to be dire. It just depends on what our mindset really is coming into it. Um, I mean, for me, it's a matter of vibration. I think in every situation, there's an infinite number of possibilities about how it can turn out. And we end up witnessing the one that we're aligned to. So yeah. in that instance, I think he was aligned to one where his resources gave him a level of belief in his capacity to actually affect. Oh, yeah. Having the resources, but not having the belief in your ability to execute them, is still a goner in that situation. It doesn't yeah. matter how deeply he meditated that morning. That's right. Or, or how much ayahuasca he'd taken. He had to have that belief already built. Or how long he'd been on a plant-based diet. The fact of the matter is, in that moment, it was his ability to see the opportunity to use that skill. Because I'm sure in flying school, they don't say, okay, now we're going to teach you <laughs> <You're right. laughs> what to do when one wing falls off. You're going to go around the side. And this is called the one wing technique, <laughs> the one wing spiral. He had to, he had to take the resources that he had yeah. and put them together in a way that came facilitated his survival. Yeah. But it was only an, a level of certainty that he would have had, and not even certainty that he's going to pull it off, but certainty yeah. that he's going to fly. I'd be willing to bet this was a scenario he had previously thought through. He had previously, you know, what would I do if, you know, because pilots do this kind of thing. They, they figure, okay, I, I'm flying along and my engine fails. Where do I land? That's what they're constantly doing all the time. Mm. Well, he probably, as a stunt pilot, was taking it to the next level. Okay, I'm doing a stunt and the stunt goes wrong. How do I deal with that, that thing going wrong so that I can survive the thing going wrong? And you know what? This comes to the whole thing about just meditating about stuff and my whole stop meditating movement that... If all he did was visualize and meditate and do the, the spinning spiral yoga posture, <laughs> but didn't actually do anything three-dimensionally to practice those skills, he probably wouldn't have been able to pull off that procedure. Probably, yeah. And it wouldn't have mattered if he was a carnivore or a keto or a vegan. <laughs> in that moment. We drive from some great realms here. I love it. <laughs> but it's true. 
Yeah. None of that mattered. It wouldn't matter if he was black, white, gay, or straight. What mattered was his ability to align to that potential outcome. Yeah. So that was a possibility for him. If he was like, oh my God, everything's going wrong, my wing's falling off, that would have been the end for him. He, just he was gone. a goner at that point if he thought that. Yeah. No but being it. open to the possibility, opened him up to the possibility. Well, actually, in his case, it was more like a certainty, I think. There had to be a, a, a strong certainty in his mind. Yes, I can survive this thing. Yes, I can yeah. do this. I can pull this off. I, I personally believe that that's the case. But yeah, not being in his mind, at least for me, it's at least it's a maybe. Maybe. And maybe it, was, it, it wasn't 100% perfect. I know that because once he landed the plane and climbed out of the fuselage and started walking, all of a sudden he staggered. <laughs> it's like, oh, now I can actually react to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> As the observer, you could say, okay, you're entitled to that stagger. You, you earned yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you get a wee stagger, buddy. Stagger for you. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love that video. That was just, whew, that was just mm. amazing to watch. It was also amazing to have that conversation with the stream on Tuesday. And that I say that as a reminder to our audience, this is not just a one or two or three time event, even though David's been on three times now, this mm -hmm. is ongoing. We're going to be doing this every Tuesday. Um, mm -hmm. And we had a listener who took advantage and sent in a question that we asked the stream, got a great answer. By the way, Avi wrote to me afterward. He said, that was an amazing answer. So he really, really? appreciated that. And mm -hmm. I say that's because other listeners I mean, think about it. How many people have wished that they could have that conversation with Abraham Hicks? Mm -hmm. How many people, um, not many people actually end up in the hot seat. A number of people mm -hmm. have manifested it, but there, there's a, a small, finite number of people who've actually made it into the hot seat and a whole bunch of other people who had questions that maybe were answered in the context of somebody else's question, or maybe yeah. they were answered by watching a video, or maybe they just decided like me when, when I went to mind that oh, it's not all that important, so I'm not going to ask it. But still, there's a piece of you that wants to ask that question. <laughs> there's a piece of you that wants to ask it. Well, I, I think there's a, there's an, I'm, and I've experienced this with, with the stream sometimes where it's like, I can actually feel that it's my egoic need to ask the question mm -hmm. or even, to show how clever I am in coming up with the best question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come up with a question. <laughs> All must know that this is my question, the question that I, Daniel Wengen, have constructed. <laughs> um, in those times, I keep my mouth shut. I, I tend to catch myself in my butthole mode of that sort coming up and, and not ask about my you point know, is that our listeners don't have to stay in that mode. They can actually ask their questions. So, you know, send in, send in your questions. Send them to me by email or, you know, text or, or whatever. Or come and join us on or YouTube. Or come join us if you can do the live stream. Yeah. If you can be available at that time, absolutely. Join that, us. And that, that was the segue. Well, it was, was a great segue. And by the way, <laughs> if you want to be able to subscribe to YouTube, that's going to be how you're going to find out about it. It's really simple to do. Just look for Elevate Today podcast videos on YouTube. That's how you find us. And once you do that, also, I have to do the Alex Ting thing. I mean, she does the, the gestures better than I do. But, yeah. you know, you, when you don't have Alex, you have to do second best. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> do you know after you subscribe to uh, the All the Way Today podcast video channel on YouTube, make sure you click the little bell because that's how you get notified every single time that we're live. So even if you forget, as long as you got your, your connection to YouTube, and you, still, you still know we're there. And then you can, yeah. you can come on on Tuesday. And ask the stream your question live, which is exactly. fine. Yeah. Very, very cool. 
So please take advantage of that and tell a friend to tell a friend too, because we, we want more and more people finding out about this. Very, very cool stuff. And it's uh, no holds barred. Yeah, uh, I'm impressed by how well David has developed his um, his ability to do the translating of the stream. Mm. Uh, much like Esther Hicks has, he, he really has it down so that when you know, a question gets asked, like there were a couple of kind of tricky questions that were asked on Tuesday, and there was no hesitation. Mm-hmm. David just starts talking and, and the words come out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I could tell the most difficult part was David trying to translate because every once in a while he gets in, into that stutter mode da, 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 as he's mm-hmm. trying to find how to say the words that are coming to him. But you mm-hmm. can tell the ideas are coming through really, yeah. really fast. <laughs> right <there>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I, and I give him credit. That's that's quite a skill to have developed. Yeah. Very cool stuff. And he's just such a lovely guy. Really oh, he good. is. Yeah, really he's a really guy. good guy. So we're very very grateful and very pleased to have him as part of the team here on LOA today. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, the other thing I want to remind people about: first of all, the app is out. The LOA today yep, app is out. out. Both. I've been spreading the word. Some of my friends. Excellent. Are, Excellent. That's what we like to hear. And I have been incorporating your gifts to the app, into the app. I've been working on that today. Nice. The, uh, um, the Beyond Intention audio course is in. That's already in place for the Duncan's next update. the uh, descriptions for us for that. We should have those by the weekend. Excellent. Excellent. So okay. Everyone. Um, it's actually useful because we're moving all my courses to a new platform. And um, actually, it was a manifestation that you've sort of nudged me to get that done. So. All right. I've had good. That and a load of my other program modules as well, so they're all um all good to go. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'm I'm still working on uh the, the Beyond Wealth ebook, and I've got mm-hmm. that one almost done now. I've got almost everything figured out. I was I told you by uh, text message or email that I was having trouble with the images. Found a way to capture the images that I needed oh. to capture, which Brilliant. mainly meant the book cover because I couldn't get the book cover. But I found the book cover. Out. I've got as an actual image. I could have emailed you. The That's what I asked you for. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the captions. Or did well, I yeah, I was also asking for those, but I, I dealt with those by turning those into to text. But I also needed to have the book cover. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I've literally got it as a JPEG. I could have sent over immediately. Well, I was able to turn it into a screenshot, and that worked out good. So. Okay, okay. Sorry yeah. about that. That's <laughs> I'm just yanking your chain, no biggie. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, so anyway, once that's done, then it's going to be going through the process of uh, ironing out the errors. There's always errors whenever you're trying to publish these things, so that I can publish the update. And then once the update is up, that means everybody who is a listener who has the LOA Today app, this is what I've been leading up to, will get Dan's courses, his audio book and his ebook. I mean, this is really cool stuff. This is something, Dan gave us a really, really big gift here, guys. You gotta take advantage. I mean, I get, I get to groove with you, uh, funky cats a couple of times a week and it's been an absolute joy to be able to do that for the last few months and, and, uh, being able to give back just made me happy. It's wonderful. It's a, it's a fabulous gift and I know it's appreciated. That's the other thing. Cindy and I were talking about this yesterday. We had a, guest on who is one of our listeners sherry jacobs um she'd written a book called the uh the friendship diet so we were talking about that it was about relationships and she was voicing something that i'm i've been hearing from virtually every listener whom i've had conversations with which is a small subset it's you know a dozen or less something like that 
and then I add in the, the emails and text messages and, and the tone and the, the meaning and, and the messages within those messages, I, I'm seeing a, a theme. And it, I don't know what took me so long to notice it, but the theme is our listeners, it seems universally, are extremely kind people. They're kind-hearted mm. because every single one of them expresses great amounts of kindness and appreciation whenever they reach out to us. Mm. And I think, wow, how great is that to have a listener full of kind, a listenership full of kind people? I mean, that's just mm. I, that was more than I could have expected. I think it's sentiment to you, Wharton, the energy that you created with this show, the intention that you had for it. Um, the love that you have and the dedication you have to being of service through it. I think the people that are going to resonate with that aren't going to be good people. I, I think you're probably right. I just, maybe I should have anticipated it, but I didn't. It was just, it was. Sort of, That's what makes it a fun surprise. That's what it is a fun surprise. surprise. It's a value add. <laughs> but it's just so reassuring and re reinforcing that, you know, I, I have had um, many doubts over the years about what I was trying to do. Um, I wanted, I, I deliberately chose the subtitle, Your Daily Dose of Happy, because I wanted to create an alternative to the typical kinds of entertainments that are out there. I wanted entertainment that actually you walked away from it feeling great every single time that you watched it or listened to it. And everything that I had been told by marketing experts, by content creators, by, you know, people in the movie industry, the theater industry, you know, you name it, it all had to be about drama. You had, to, you had to have that dramatic, negative thing going on in order to draw somebody in. And I said to myself, I don't believe that. Hmm. And yet, it, took, it seemed to take forever for what I was doing to get traction. But now it's getting traction. And as it gets traction, I say to myself, you know what? That theory wasn't so far off after all. Hmm. There really is a space for this. There really is a demand for feel good, for feeling hmm. great, in fact. And feeling great over and over and over again, and that's it's validating. It's validating. I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's a gift. It's a gift that we get to to dance in, or you get to dance in five days a week. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> get to dance in all the time and uh, and get the energetic payoff from. Yeah, and it's wonderful. It, Pretty darn groovy. I I think actually. I, I mean, I like to think that I'm, I'm giving quite a bit, but I think I've probably gotten more than I'm given. <laughs> I really do. Mm. I, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit. I, mm. I certainly give my co-hosts a ton of credit because they're the ones who I do give credit to. I love them, I, including yourself, just because you guys bring so much to the table. I remember the first time Steve Rowell told me, Steve was a co-host in the past. I remember him telling me about you and he was going on and on about how he was just blown away by what you were teaching and you know, what your what your perspective was and so forth. And so I had you on the show. That was about, what was that, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that? And he was right. It was fun. I remember. I don't remember what the first question is, but I, I asked the question, and you went right to the root of Law of Attraction. I said, whoa, I like this guy. This is good. <laughs> I mean, you didn't, you, you got, you cut all the chaff out of the way. There was nothing left, but the pith. It was, that's all there was. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that I've really enjoyed is bringing on people like you who can do that. And mm. you guys are the reason, in my opinion, why this show is, is doing so well. Yeah, I'm bringing my, my part of it too, but wow, this show is so much better because of you guys. So I got to thank you too. 
Appreciate it. It's, um, yeah. it's an honor to be here. You're an amazing human. And it's great to have these dances with you a couple of times a week. And yeah. It is fun, Amazing. too. I like it. It'll be even more fun when our friend Alex is back. But um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, 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 when, when you first agreed to come on, I was thinking to myself, okay, where do I match you up? And the first thought that came to my mind was Alex. Because you have a playfulness to you. You've demonstrated it, especially when you croon. But in, in general, you have a playfulness. And <laughs> Alex is like... She, 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 yeah, right. Well, that's what you do, though. I mean, that's the way to describe it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then there, there's Alex, who basically she likes seeing everything from a funny perspective. She laughs yeah. about everything. She just yeah. takes joy in everything. And I'm mm. thinking, put those two together, it's going to be magic. And it was, and it is. It's been, yeah. it's worked out really, really well. Great fun. I really do, do love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to the original topic though, as I usually try to do, because the emotional fatigue is something that fortunately for myself, I've gotten largely out of my system. I, it doesn't happen to me too often, but I am noticing a lot of people in the quote real world are experiencing, including a lot of LOA people. Um, it was kind of coming up a bit in the conversation with Sherry yesterday. Sherry was talking about a lot of the, the challenges of just dealing emotionally with COVID, mm -hmm. dealing emotionally with racial tensions, dealing mm -hmm. emotionally with presidential stuff, dealing emotionally with all the stuff that's in the news. And it, you could tell from the look on her face. I mean, she was, she was handling it beautifully and she was focusing very much on finding things to laugh about it and so forth. But you could just see it was, it, it's been weighing her down and it's, mm -hmm. and she's been experiencing it with other people being weighed down. So this emotional fatigue is actually a pretty big thing. That's affecting a lot of people. I agree. I agree. But you know, the, the collective agreement of fear that's polluting so many people's experience right now, it's, it's very heavy. It is very dense, heavy, emotional state. And the chemicals and hormones that are being produced in that vibration frequency are very and yucky. They're not groovy feeling emotions. So we've got people that aren't even empathic feeling more now because they're yes. just being exposed to so much. It's bursting through for people to feel all of that energy. And so, yeah, a lot of people are who aren't even, you know, empathic or energy fevers or even believers in that type of thing are finding themselves dealing with emotional experiences that they can't quite place. Why they're behaving this way, why they're thinking that way, why having these thoughts. Blah, blah, blah. Then when you compound that with the loneliness and the lack of human contact, that's there for a lot of people. Hmm. Lack of sunlight because people are inside their houses. Um, and then you throw on top of the fire fear of death and tension. Oh, that old thing, yeah. <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a lot. And again, I think that comes back to, comes back to what I said as well, being gentle and just being okay with fighting this many battles for many of us and, and, and being patient and compassionate with ourselves as we navigate those waters within ourselves, because that's what's going to better resource us to more effectively deal with other people. What are some of the ways that you do that? I mean, I, I can kind of itemize a few that I do in terms of trying to be kind to myself and, and being, you know, gentle with myself. Mm -hmm. I, I'll, first of all, I give myself lots of distraction. 
I don't allow myself to spend more than a, a X amount of time, and my X is relatively small, um, focused on that stuff that I really dislike so much. But I also, I, I try to make it a point to learn from those times that I am connected to it, uh, those times that I am paying attention to it. And by that, I mean, I try to monitor how I'm responding emotionally to it and ask myself, okay, I know what I feel right now. I don't, I know I don't like it. Is there anything I can do in this moment to kind of treat it like I'm in the gym working out, working out, working out a muscle, trying to build it up. And when it becomes too much, I will do the distraction thing and get my mind off of it. But while I'm in it right now, why can't I work it a little bit? Why can't I see if I can redirect my attention in a way that I don't normally do just because I know it's going to feel better, even though I'm looking at this thing I don't like? I think that's really cool because you're not talking about running away from the problem. You're talking about creating space in order to deal with the problem. Yeah. I think that's a really key difference. Because distraction for some could be a space to not actually deal with it, but to run away. Sure. Whereas well, that's what distraction usually is. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and deliberately so, I might add. That's <laughs> yeah. what you're talking about, which is, you know what? I need some breathing space to be able to be properly resourced to deal with this thing. So I'm going to create space for me to be able to do that. Very, very, very different kettle of fish. And I think for me, it's number one. Acknowledging the situation itself, mm-hmm. acknowledging my role in creating it because we sometimes don't do that. So yeah, no kidding. Ownership, ownership, step one of beyond detention. Mm-hmm. You're going to recognize these bit steps. I then <laughs> do what I need to do as a micro shift to get into space to create more space to create more space to create more space mm-hmm. so that I can get to a place where I can hold the vision and emotional state of what I desire versus what I'm in now without denying the experience as it is, without blaming anybody else, without, you know, shame, guilt, whatever. So, okay, I'm in this funky space now. Space, 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 space. Okay, this is what I design now. And let me hold that. Let me run the mental image of that. And then let me connect to a state of certainty about the possibility of that for me. And then let it go and find enough space to just slow the hell down and chill out while the thing turns. Step forward beyond the attention never listen. And in that space of chilling out, stay aware of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And when it comes up that I'm feeling something or thinking something that relates to what I've chosen not to experience, go back again, accept it, clear it, get into one instead, seek to hold it until the tide breaks. And that's when the miracles come in. That's when someone comes in and says they're sorry. This is when you get news that that thing's not happening anymore. Or, you know, you witness a change in the experience. Because once we're able to consistently hold that new vibration, then experiences that match that new vibration have to follow because the law of the universe, we can only experience what we're a vibration match to. So when we change that vibration match, we change the experience. Rather than trying to fight the circumstance, resist the circumstance, push away the circumstance, battle the circumstance, blame Donald Trump or me eating for the circumstance, you know, it's just <laughs> holding the vibration of what you want instead, but creating the space. And it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes this process of going through those steps is going to take time because we've got a really deep emotional relationship unconsciously to the current circumstance. 
So maybe this whole process is happening in Microsoft too. Okay, yeah. I can't tackle the whole thing, but I can tackle this step. Okay, let me build yeah. this model around that one step. New baseline. Okay, on this new baseline, let me move on the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And when you really get badass at this, you'll use lead theory, which is using this, the first initial micro shift as the gateway to changing all of it by, by association. Because everything's connected, really. It's just our story of disassociation, our connection, our relation, our agreement to the illusion, sorry, of that disassociation, which means that, all right, now I've got to work on my relationship, now I've got to work on my health, now I've got to work on my purpose, now I've got to work on my money situation, or any one of them can be the gateway. So we pick the one that's got the least resistance and mm. use that as the doorway in to change in our experience as a whole. That's a great point. I know that I typically divide the whole realm into three categories. It's usually for most people about uh, attracting wealth, attracting health, or attracting relationships. And mm. I agree with you. Whichever one of those is the easiest one for you is the one to work on the most. Yeah. That's where you're going to get the most traction. That's where I get it's the most gonna be, traction. It's going to be the least resistance because at the end of the day, what, what we're really talking about is getting beyond ourselves so we can be something else. Mm -hmm. The resistance, the addiction to being who we are is going to create roadblocks and barriers just being able to make that leap. But when we don't have the same level of resistance, we can make that transition with greater ease. Right. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, use the term chill out as, as a way to describe what you're doing as you're kind of creating that space. Mm -hmm. And that can be a, talk about you know, exercising a muscle, that can be a real challenge to exercise that muscle when we're in the midst of that emotional distress that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And and even when we're not in the midst of the process, I mean, me and Olga have this all the time. She likes to like go to the beach and do nothing at all. I want to chill at the beach, sip margarita, read a book, you know, I'll listen to a podcast, put my feet up, but I'm still doing something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. She wants to sit down and like, she, she, we're going to talk, but she deliberately does it because she just wants to sit there in silence. <laughs> and if, if I move, See, you can't sit still for a minute. This <laughs> is important to me. It's like, dude, you've been sitting here not saying anything for the last 10 minutes. You know this stuff would be bonkers. So for me, chilling is an, a very active process. I might um, go on the exercise bike. I might go for a walk. I might read something, watch something, listen to something. I'm still engaged, and, but that is chill for me. It's not chill at all for me to do nothing. That's actually a really, really uncomfortable <laughs> I would even argue that no one ever does nothing. Even when we're meditating, we're still doing something. Yeah. I mean, you talk about her sitting at the beach doing nothing. I kind of do that. At, when we go to the beach for, for long periods of time, I'll just sit there and look at the water. Mm -hmm. But I'm still doing something. Yeah. I'm, I'm meditating on the water. I'm enjoying the water. I'm enjoying the undulations of the waves, and I'm enjoying the color and, I'm, and the interaction with the sky. I, I, but I'm just looking at it. And just kind of absorbing it and, you know, flowing myself into it. Well, there's an aspect of the law of perpetual motion that says that, you know, we're always in flux, we're always in motion, right? So there's always, yeah. we're always moving um, from non-form to form and back to non-form again. So there's never a point that we're doing nothing. I think you're right there. Um, maybe it's the type of thing that we want to do may involve more physical action versus Exactly. Well, mental for me, it's more mental action, whether it's reading a book or working on something and blah, blah, blah. For me, doing my work, I find it to be really, really chill. I love it when I'm mm -hmm. doing some ideas or mapping something out and working on some new content. I can really enjoy that. I'm in my groove. 
everyone's one the same. You actually said it there um, with the cliche that you used when you're really chill. You described how you chill it through action. Yeah. And that for you is really chill. Yeah. Super duper chill. Yeah. Um, the way I look at it is I, I used to get a little bit um, perplexed, confused. Okay, when do I take an action? And then I finally heard Abraham say something that kind of ironed out for me. And I don't remember what they said, but the way I took it away was change the emotional state and then take the action. Yeah. Just stick with that rule and you're good. Well, for me, take it and act. We can, we can only act effectively to the level of our belief in our emotional state anyway. True. So if we're acting out of alignment, then you just quite unquote wasted your energy anyway because it's not going to lead you to the outcome because you're going to be constricted by your vibration because we can't experience anything that we're not a vibrational match to. Yeah. And our vibration is just our feeling space in action. That's, That's all right. it is. And so Abraham, being infinite intelligence as they are, has, has <laughs> hit the nail on the head there. They really have. <laughs> set the vibration first. And when you set the vibration with deep enough certainty, often the inspired action or the miracle comes for you anyway. That's the fun part. To the That's level the of your belief, part. also, but the more you do inside, the less you have to do outside. Yeah, the, the more that I get myself, just spend time feeling better. And then I, sometimes I'll even prepave it a little bit by saying, okay, I'm going to work on feeling better. In the meantime, source, send me a solution here because I don't know what the solution is. Or sometimes mm -hmm. I'll just work on feeling better, just to mm -hmm. feel better. I'd make it do it either way. But mm -hmm. the, the cool thing is, regardless of which way I do it, if I can actually just spend all my time focused on, okay, what's it going to take for me to feel better right now? Does it take total distraction? Can I think about whatever this thing is differently? Whatever, what's it going to take? And mm -hmm. I'll just keep working it and working it until I'm finally micro shifting my way up that staircase mm -hmm. to some point that feels better. It's amazing how virtually every time something comes to me that answers the problem, that answers, mm -hmm. comes up with a solution. I, I, it's very rare for it not to. You're a different level of mind. And when you're at a different level of mind, you can see a different aspect of reality or a different exactly. perspective in reality. When we're trapped in our story, we're trapped in our stuff, or we're trapped in our commitment to the, the experience, even at an unconscious level, we're locked in cycles that will perpetuate more of the same experience. Yeah. We want to do something, we have to be. If we want something new, we have to be something new. If we want something different, we have to be something different. And what we're thinking, what we're feeling are the biggest components of what we're being and therefore what we're going to experience, in my opinion. And I, well, I agree with you. And I think that this ultimately answers the question that I raised at the beginning of the show. How do we deal with emotional fatigue? We do it by shifting our emotional connection. Yeah. We simply start changing it to whatever is going to get in away, one step away. Maybe step at a time. One yeah. baby step at a time. That's going to be a lot more effective. Yeah. And it's, it works. It's powerful. It's great. <laughs> Something else that's great. I got to get this in here. I know I said it before, but I got to say it again because I've been waiting for so, for so long to be able to say this. The app is now out there, and what that <laughs> means is it's so easy now to be a listener. And this is this is a really big deal for me because I was I was figuring out from the beginning, Dan, how do you explain to somebody how to subscribe to a podcast if they've never subscribed to a podcast before? It's it's really challenging if you don't know the technology, if you have never experimented with it, if you've never played with it. And so I, over the years, I kind of developed all these different ways. Well, you know, it's a very simple step. You, know, you do step one, step two, step three. And I was realizing, no, it's too complex. I want an app where they just download the app and it's there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I finally got it. Because <laughs> you made the it. App. The app is here. Great manifestation, bro. And the iPhone got that too. I am very, very proud of it. I can tell you, I am really, I went through, I, I sweated blood for this one, but I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah, it was a few bumps in the road, but we got it. And it was great. But what's even better is now I can just say, download the app. And mm-hmm. more importantly, tell your friends to download the app. Because mm-hmm. once you download it, you've got it. You're subscribed. Exactly. And you've got Dan's Beyond Intention. And you got his Beyond Wealth. And you got the other stuff that's coming down the line, too. you got this endless stream of stuff coming through. Really cool, groovy stuff. In fact, you got the stream coming through. so yes i'm just so celebratory about the fact that that app is out there and people are liking it too and by the way oh yes thank you to those of you who have been sending in emails telling me what you like about the app and what you'd like to see changed and i want to encourage more and more people to do that i've gotten some fabulous feedback stuff that i had never thought about when i was creating this stuff one person brought, have you ever heard of CarPlay? I had never even heard of CarPlay. Oh, Car- yes. It, it loops into your um, smart car so that it comes up on the screen without you right. even on the phone. I was completely unaware of it. And she was saying, well, can it come up on CarPlay? And I said, well, yeah, it should be able to play on your car. No, 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 no. CarPlay. I, I don't know what CarPlay. Well, now be, I know what CarPlay is. For that. You know, so Mind I've got to thank her for, for sharing that information so that I know, okay, well, this is something I, I got to work on. How do I get it into CarPlay? And I'm sure I can find it, but yeah, uh, you got to know about it. You got to know about it. And that's why it's so important for listeners to tell me what it is they'd like to see different. So okay. thank you to that listener. And thank you to everyone who's sending in their ideas and suggestions. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm learning so much about where I can take this app and what I can do to improve it. And I'm also learning that people are loving what's there. I, people are really appreciative of it. So it's good stuff. So thank you very much as usual, Daniel. Your insights were spot on. Absolutely. It's, fun. it's always a pleasure to groove and shake with you, good sir, and uh, talk about the good things of manifestation, intention, alignment, and all-round badass life creation. Oh, I love that. Nice way to finish the show. You, what, you, you want to do the close? I mean, you're doing great. <laughs> no, I, no, I guess it's is on now. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you very much, and especially thank you to all of our listeners, because without you, we wouldn't have a podcast worth doing. But with you, we have a podcast that's wonderful. So thank Mm -hmm. you very much. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Bye.